Bill Barnett and Kevin Mills host the Investor Guys podcast and share their real estate investing insights, strategies, and knowledge for audiences across America. Did you know that the Investor Guys, Bill and Kevin, have comprehensive investor education trainings and events available? Live and virtual workshops, training programs, events, and more. Bill and Kevin even have hands-on training events, consultations, and quick start programs, including the acclaimed real estate buyers events all designed to get investors started and putting performing properties into their real estate portfolios. Bill and Kevin have each been successfully investing in real estate and educating real estate investors for decades and bring that experience to everything they do. Bill and Kevin both have unique approaches to investing and investor training and thousands of investors attribute their investing success to the trainings they have received from Bill and Kevin. If you are ready to get started as a real estate investor, the timing has never been better. Every day you wait to get started is a day forever lost. To check out how the Investor Guys are ready to get you started, visit InvestorGuys.com. That's www.InvestorGuys.com. Are you dumb enough to be rich? Well, are you? Bill Barnett's critically acclaimed book, Are You Dumb Enough to Be Rich?, is a personal account of Bill's own journey to becoming a real estate investor. In his book, Are You Dumb Enough to Be Rich?, Bill shares his experiences, insight, and advice in a well-written, easy-to-follow account that gets investors thinking and acting. Find Are You Dumb Enough to Be Rich? on Amazon and other outlets or purchase your copy directly at www.investorguyspodcast.com. DREPclub.com. That's DREPclub.com for the greatest real estate club on the planet. Workshops, presentations, trainings, education, resources, and more. The Directed Real Estate Professionals Club at DREPclub.com. Participate in person or virtually. www.DREPclub.com. Hey, Bill. How's it going? It is going excellent, my friend. Kevin, good to see you. Thank Welcome you. everybody to the Investor Guys podcast episode. Uh, this is probably got to be around fourteen, fifteen by now. Well, we'll I was thinking seventeen or eighteen, now. but uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, how's coronavirus lockdown treating you? You were actually mentioning just before we got on the air that uh, you've got a project that was was dragging a little bit, and it, you're just getting started on it. Well, we had a project that uh, literally could not get started because of the mess. Uh, so. Today is um, Wednesday on Monday. Our governor uh, bumped us to 50% uh, and started allowing uh, a lot more types of industry come back. So we're in uh, good shape there. Um, like it a lot, what's going on here. Yeah, so yeah, I'm, I'm meeting some contractors as soon as uh, we're done here. Gonna head over to one of the properties, meet some contractors who are um, ready to go back to work. I have other projects that have skeleton crews and have stayed moving forward this whole time, uh, but they've been moving forward with skeleton crews. So uh, I had one that literally Friday um, said, hey, we're gonna, uh, the, they were gonna take a week's vacation. Uh, so like, okay, that's, uh, there's that. And then I've got one that's just continued to plug right along. Um, and then, one in Dallas, which I'm going to head over to uh, Farmer's Branch, for those of you that are local. I'm going to head over to Farmer's Branch for a property over there to uh, meet with contractors and, and get that puppy uh, up and running. That's the one that has been kind of on hold through all of this. So we closed it literally about the time everything shut down and people started freaking out. And uh, glad to be in a state where um, this is being attacked 
from a standpoint of uh, just like Kevin in Florida, where they have an at-risk population. In fact, they have the largest at-risk population in the nation. The same thing's going on in Texas. They're really focusing in on at-risk population. And for the rest of us, it's like, okay, let's get back into working and get going again and get out again. So it's exciting that that's going on. And uh, I'm ready to go out and get some more property done, brother. Yeah, and you know what? I was having a conversation with somebody earlier today. And that was one of the questions they asked, you know, has, has his business slowed down for you? And it honestly picked up for me through the quarantine. I feel bad for everybody who, you know, who was affected and don't get me wrong. I am glad I got out and got a haircut. I'm glad I can go out and eat. I'm glad that we're out of quarantine, but I also kind of miss it a little bit because I was super, super productive. I was more productive, got things done quicker through this whole quarantine than right now. But that kind of brings me to, to one of the things that, that I wanted to talk about was my rents, my incoming rents. As you know, I, I, my biggest focus is, is cash flow properties. And we're hearing stories about people not being able to pay their rent. We're hearing stories about, you know, landlords are, are not being able to pay their mortgages because they're, they're depending upon those rents. And there are some states who are saying that, you know, they're, they're going to excuse rents and there's, the federal government saying they're going to have mortgage assistance. I honestly have had a, a, an excellent experience through all of this because the majority of my rents that come in are section eight. Now I have, I have properties that aren't, and I've told my property managers from the very beginning to find ways to work with the tenants because most people don't necessarily want to hand out. They want to figure out how to make it work. You know, so they've had conversations individually with those tenants that are paying rent to figure out how things are going to work for them. But the majority of my tenants, probably more than 90% of my tenants are section eight. And I am still getting those section eight rent checks. 100%. They're not adjusted or anything else in the mail these past few months while we've been going through this coronavirus uh, from the properties that have rented on section eight. And Ironically, I have not had one single tenant move out in the past few months, <laughs> yeah. even though leases have been up. We've basically just done a month-to-month -month extension on their lease uh, because no one wants to go through this, the hassle of a move right now. Yeah. Um, so there's, there's that also. And it's, it's been, for me, it's been a blessing. I was telling my wife, it, it's weird because it devastated so many but it was a blessing for so many other people. And, yeah. and I'm one of those people who's thankful to call it a blessing. Yeah. So much of that we got a, a tremendous amount of extra time uh, as we were going through this. Uh, so one of the blessings that I got out of it was getting to have some more focused time with my boys. I still have two boys at home, 18 and 14. So that was way cool. In fact, my 18 year old, uh, went this morning and they filmed their uh, graduation. So they don't know that right now they're saying that uh, they're going to have a physical graduation in July. Um, they, unless things get weird, but they're going to have a physical and it's going to be in the football stadium. And then they're going to have um, a, enough room to do uh, spacing and uh, social distancing during the graduation. So, uh, you know, I really want him and, and all seniors around the country high school or college to be able to experience that graduation. Yeah. But that was a cool thing, getting uh, a lot more uh, focused time with uh, the boys, uh, way cool. 
and then just so much time to be able to work on personal growth. What do you do? We talk so much about our business and I'm, when I leave here, I'm going to go work in my business. Uh, there's a difference between working on your business and working in your business. What I'm doing today is taking my personal time and I'm working in my business. That's not always the most profitable move for you as a business owner. Most of the lockdown I have been spending working on my business and we've made uh, some major changes that you guys will be hearing about as we go forward, but we've made some major changes because of having the time to structure and study and, and look at outside influences and, and see where we can go with this thing. There's no reason anytime there is an enormous upheaval, stock market, real estate market, like this or whatever, anytime there's an enormous upheaval, there is a group of people that make an inordinate amount of money during that. There were more millionaires made per capita during the depression than any other time because people get into a mindset and, and we're not going to talk about mindset, but I am going to do a plug here. Then we're going to get into today's topic, but people get their mindset focused on lack and there's just not enough. And when they focus on that, that's all they see. At the same time, there's another group of people, much smaller group that focus on, wow, there's an incredible amount of opportunity that's going to happen here. May not know what it is, may not know what it looks like right now, but it's gonna happen. And I need to be aware and looking out for what those opportunities are. And same thing is going on here. So well, this a great blessing is being able to be focused on how do we grow this thing uh, as our country comes back online. We're doing that now. Very excited about that. Monday, the governor of Texas changed uh, our restaurant percentages from 25% to 50% and some additional types of businesses are open. Kev, I believe, I, and I could be wrong in this, but I believe all of our uh, businesses are um, allowed to be open now, I think, but I know uh, restaurants are um, up to 50%. Um, patios are just, it's nice to go to a patio that looks normal again, guys. So that's what's been going on here. So let's get into uh, one of the great topics of real estate. First of all, one of the great major uh, sections of real estate, which is rental property. So you have passive income. And then a subset of rental property is having uh, Kevin, I, I currently don't have, but I have in the past, uh, have had the privilege of renting to the single richest tenant in the world. Now think about that. How do you feel about your rent when you know your tenant is the richest tenant in the world, which is United States federal government. So, and they can rent multiple properties from you too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, can rent as many as we want to get. You know, uh, we talk about as the market changes, a lot of times we talk about what segment of the market is being served, what's going well, what's getting cool. And one segment of the market across the country that is underserved in every market. And if you live in a top 20 market, you need to be paying way close attention to this. And that is the section eight market. The Section 8 market is underserved in every top 20 country, or excuse me, 
top 20 market in the country. Yeah, and there's a number of different reasons for that. Um, and, and a lot of them I understand. For example, in Southern California, your Section 8 rents don't come close to what you're gonna be able to do for, for full market rents. However, in other markets, um, Syracuse is an excellent, excellent example of you can get pretty much full market value, sometimes even greater than fair market value for your Section 8 tenants in Syracuse, New York. Buffalo um, as well. Buffalo as well. Buffalo. Cleveland, you've got uh, just about fair market rent and you've got a booming, booming Section 8 uh, business in, in Cleveland. And, and I grew up in Northeast Ohio, so I'm familiar with that market. So that's where most of my Section 8 investing has been. Um, I have had in the past many properties in Buffalo and also in, in Syracuse. Um, back when the Carousel Mall, because I had other projects in uh, Syracuse. Uh, for those of you in that, that area, you know what I'm talking about. Carousel Mall was going to be doing a big expansion. And all of that literally just got scrapped uh, overnight. Um, so when my other projects, and, and that was right after Carrier had left Syracuse as well, for those of you who remember that. So all my other projects, when they wrapped up, I kind of found reasons and ways to get out of Syracuse and start focusing. That was when I was younger. Um, now I like to be more focused. Um, I don't want to be all over the place. I, I'd rather have income streams that I know work and not have to fiddle with them and tweak with them and everything else. Uh, Bill's going to go off to work today. And in partly, I, I envy him for that. As soon as we're done here, I'm going to rebuild the rear axle on a classic car. I've got the axles out. I'm going to pull the differential out. I'm going to drain the oil and I'm going to press new bearings onto it and everything else. So our days are a little bit different, um, but we're still making money from real estate. Um, again, my focus has been a lot for cash flow in Cleveland, and that is because it is a great Section 8 market. And for those of you who, who don't know what Section 8 is, you've you got to have been living in a bubble. It is where the government guarantees a portion of or all of, up to all of, your rent. Now, I have tenants that work for, say, Burger King or another business, but they're part-time. So they don't have enough of an income to pay the full rent every single month that they're going to have to pay, plus their their utilities, plus everything else that they have to do. So they go to the Section 8 office and they go through a process to get a Section 8 voucher based upon their income, based upon their number of dependents, and also based upon the number of people in the household. And this is where the 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 formula gets a little bit different because if you have somebody else who's in the household who's earning, then they look at that. If you have somebody else in the household who isn't earning, they look at that. But that isn't as much of a factor as a dependent. So the more dependents that a Section 8 applicant has, the greater variable they will have for being able to get a larger Section 8 voucher. Once they have that voucher, they'll know it's a dollar amount based upon what the Section 8 market value is for Cleveland. And in Cleveland- and it's very real. The market value for Section 8, unless you're in New York City, unless you're in uh, really Southern California, if you're not in those two areas, 
uh, maybe San Francisco, the market value that HUD assigns to Section 8 is a very fair and real market value. They're not, they're not trying to squeeze you and I as the landlords because not only do they need us, they need a lot more of us. Sorry, go ahead. No, it's okay. And what I was going to say was in Cleveland, for example, they will pay a minimum of $200 per bedroom. And that may not sound like a lot, okay? Most of the units that we have in Cleveland are two bedrooms to four bedrooms. And the four bedroom units that we have are usually because we've converted the full size attic into another two bedrooms. But that gives you a gross rent of $1,200 per duplex because you've got a total of six bedrooms on a duplex that you put $10,000 or less down on in order to acquire. So that's cash flow, that's money in the bank every single uh, month from the government. And just because Section 8 will pay $200 per bedroom doesn't mean you have to charge $1,200 for rent. If you've got a unit that has larger bedrooms, better amenities, then you can charge more than that $200 per bedroom for rent that Section 8 is going to cover. And Section 8 has a variation on their, their formula to allow for families to be able to pay for more. So you could have a family of four that's going to have a voucher for, say, three bedrooms. Okay, That family of four can still live in that two bedroom because Section 8 will allow up to four people in each bedroom, which is kind of one of the things that I don't like. And I tell my property managers, don't put eight people into a two bedroom unit because that, that's not good for you. Yeah. Okay. But if we've got a family of four or even a family of five that wants to rent a two bedroom unit from me, then we're happy to do that. Uh, that means that we're going to get slightly better rents than that $400 a month that section eight, the section eight voucher is going to give them. The other thing you can, uh, that people need to remember as an asterisk is that, when you're dealing with HUD in Section 8, they have a dollar amount that they say, we're going to give this for a two, four bedroom, whatever it happens to be. But also, uh, that is not cast in iron written in stone. You can appeal to uh, the HUD office locally and say, hey, can you have an inspector come out? We've got a really nice unit here uh, that we, had, we think is a higher market value than what you've assigned to it. Um, and would you be willing to send an inspector by and have them take a look at it and just see? And you'll be surprised if your unit truly is a nicer quality unit, or maybe it's got a, an extra bonus room to it or something, you're gonna um, be surprised that they have the ability, they have some guidelines where they can be flexible with what they're willing to allow for a particular unit. And the other thing too is before your unit can be rented out, for Section 8, it has to be inspected by a Section 8 inspector. So I always have my property manager ask the Section 8 inspector to appraise the rent for the unit when they come. Um, that way I'm not having to call somebody else out. I'm not having to wait an additional amount of time. So we have to wait. Typically in Cleveland, it's anywhere between a week to at the very most three weeks to have a unit inspected, which is pretty quick because I know in some markets they're waiting four weeks and more to have a unit inspected. Um, they get them out there fast. We ask for a rent appraisal at the same time. And as soon as we have that, the property manager is ready to go to the Section 8 office and post that unit on the bulletin board at the Section 8 office because there are people who go to the Section 8 office looking for Section 8 
housing. They can also market that on Craigslist and all the other places that they market the, the rentals for. Um, it is an absolutely amazing program. And things, the reasons I hear people give for not wanting to rent their properties out in Section 8 is they don't want to deal with the inspection. Your inspection is honestly very simple and very basic. They want to make sure that everything you're calling a bedroom actually has a closet in it and actually has windows. And the windows are a safety. You have to have a point of, of egress in case there is a fire. You also have to have natural daylight. If you have one window in a large bedroom, that's not considered enough daylight and, and it's not going to pass. You're going to have to put another window in there. Um, they're looking for chipping and peeling paint. I guarantee you every single property, maybe not every single, but just about every single property I have in Cleveland has lead paint in it because anything that was done before 1978 was lead paint. 1978 is when they changed the law. I don't have to go in there and clean out all of the lead paint. As long as I don't have any chipping paint or cracking paint, that's all that's required. They know that these, these properties were built in the late 1800s and the early 1900s. They know that there's lead paint. As long as there's no chipping paint, as long as there's no cracking paint. And that's what they're checking for. They're checking to make sure that the carpet isn't torn up. There's no edges coming up. They're not worn through. Uh, they're checking to make sure that every single door has a doorknob on it. Every single exterior door and every single window to the exterior has to have a working lock. Every single window has to have a screen. It doesn't have to have a storm window, but it has to have a screen. And they're basic things that your unit should have anyway. So people who say that they don't want to have to go through the inspection process, that doesn't make sense to me. Uh, the well, other is, go ahead. You have to, um, one of the things that I think uh, makes a good Section 8 landlord is somebody that's got some um, has done flips, got some rehab experience in their background. Because if you've gone in and, and rehabbed a property that you've sold and flipped it, you know, and, and I go round and round with uh, certain guys uh, in the Metroplex here that we debate this constantly. Uh, they try to do as cheap as possible. They have a different set of things that they do for rentals than they do for uh, flip. I like to do things in a good quality manner um, and I'll tell you, um, we did a, for those of you that are local, Grand Prairie has um, a section in it that is duplex heaven. It's a, about uh, three blocks that are uh, both sides of the street, nothing but duplexes. And I recently did, uh, bought one of those, uh, rehabbed it, put tenants in it, and then sold it about six months down the road as an income producing property. Didn't sell it. Uh, as a, oh gee, here's uh, a property that I'm going to use the appraisal on. Even though it was only two units, I sold it and marketed it as an income producing property and it had the tenants in it. Well, the short of the story is when I rehabbed it and set the rents, my own real estate agent who works for my brokerage firm <laughs> that I deal with every day said, Bill, you, you can't get that much for those units. And I went, oh, Lord, girl, just list it at the number that we tell you to list it at and then be thankful that you're going to get half of that rent as your commission the first month because it will 
Why? Because it's in great condition. It's not in the same condition as the other properties on the street. So she went ahead and marketed the property at the numbers that I asked her to. Within two weeks, we had both sides rented and we were about 20% above the market there, what rental comps would say we should be able to get. But they rented quickly because when people walked in, they were like, oh, nice. Um, and so when you go to sell that, if you decide, like right now, uh, if Kevin wanted to bundle up a group, let's say 20 of his properties that are occupied and income producing, he could get a very nice rate of return on selling that off as a package. So there's a lot of different things you can do here. And we'll, we'll probably spend, uh, we'll do a show somewhere down the road on packaging. I've done some of that in the past. Uh, we'll be doing some more of it. So we'll do a show on, on how you can package properties which you can start with building a rental portfolio, but a lot of times what's gonna happen is you get addicted to uh, that rental income coming in every month, that passive, and you don't wanna package them. But if something comes up, and, and look, we've bought some stuff like that before as well, especially when people are, are landlords that have multiple properties and they're getting on up in age and they start to getting to that point, they're in their uh, late 70s, they're in their 80s, and they're starting to say, you know what, whether it's their CPA or their family or their attorney, somebody is in their ear going, hey, you need to get all of these things in order so that if something were to happen to you, this is all not dumped on your spouse or not dumped on your kids. It's all taken care of so that then they're, they're just dealing with cash and it makes it easier for them. And so you're gonna see uh, if you keep out, an eye out in the market, you'll run across on a regular basis. Um, we see one or two a month um, portfolios, some of them small, some of them big, uh, that people are wanting to sell just from a standpoint of they're kind of aging out of wanting to be involved every day. Yeah, they're just looking to retire, just take their money and start living off of their money instead of the, the income from the property. And I see that all the time. That's actually one of the ways I got started in all of this, but that's another story for a different day. But two, to Bill's original point, when we get these properties, especially if we have to do any rehab on them, and a lot of these properties, at, you'd be surprised. You can buy a property that is just about turnkey for $50,000 in Cleveland. Um, we'll go in and we'll replace the light fixtures. Instead of just doing the, the boring Home Depot, you know, light bulb with a cover on it. We'll do something nicer and fancier. We'll put in a nice looking ceiling fan. It costs 20 or $30 more than what we're gonna put there. Maybe $50 more than what we're gonna put there. It's gonna be there for 10 years, you know? Yeah. Um, it only costs have, that one time. Yeah, and it costs that the one- every month, it just comes yeah. at once. We'll replace the, the, the faucets in the kitchen. We'll do a nice modern looking faucet instead of the thing that's 50 years old that's been there, you know, being abused and beat up. And they made things better 50 years ago. This thing will look like a piece of crap, but it will still work, you know. We'll take it out and we'll put in something fancy that looks good. We'll put in basically a, a plastic gold chandelier, you know, in the dining room. And it looks great. And it sets our units apart from the other units that people are out there buying. Because a lot of Section 8 landlords, they're slumlords. 
You know, they're trying to soak every penny out of that property and not realizing that they're going to get more from that property by not having it sit vacant for as long, by having good tenants in it and not having to deal with bad tenants. So we, we rent our properties quick because we put better looking and slightly better quality fixtures into those properties. One of the things that we have in, in, in Cleveland, pretty much every single one of the units that we have has wood floors. If we get in there and we've got carpet, I rip the carpet out because carpet has best case scenario, a lifespan of about three to five years in a rental and it, it looks like garbage. So we rip it out and I have a crew come in and we sand the floor and we put a commercial polyurethane on top of that. These are hard oak floors that have lasted a hundred plus years, okay? We sand it, we put that polyurethane on it, and that polyurethane, the commercial polyurethane, has a 20-year lifespan. So in the time that I would rip out three, four, five, ten different sets of carpet, we've got one, one floor covering that's gonna last 20 plus years, gonna look better, be more durable, going to save me more money, going to save me more time, and looks impressive when somebody walks in. And, and it's more love it. And the kids love it because they can ice skate in their socks. they literally because you know a lot of times when people walk in they take their shoes off anyway you know so the kids are just sitting there slipping and sliding around in the living room of the dining room (laughs) this gives them the opportunity also of choosing what they want for their own decorations you know if they come in and they're like ew lime green carpet or beige carpet which everybody wants to put into a rental but shows dirt really quick you know they can put down the the throw rugs that they want and they can decorate it however they want. It almost gives them a blank slate, but it's also, like I said, beautiful because it is it is wood, oak wood floors. And Bill, when you come to Cleveland with me, you are going to be amazed. We will look at $100 houses that still have original turned columns and, and woodwork and everything that were never painted. They are still the original wainscoted wood, you know? And leaded glass windows in houses that you can buy for $30,000. You know, um, it's just, it's, it's amazing to me because I was out of that market for long enough. But what's funny is for section eight tenants, that's their every day. That's what they see. You know, um, most of these units have fireplaces on the first floor and the second floor. Uh, it's, it's an opportunity to make things look better and benefit by getting better rents, a better response, more loyal tenants that are going to want to stay longer. You know, so if you've got a tenant that you're having to replace every year, that's costing you money because you've got downtime and you've got marketing costs because you have to pay your property manager. Your property manager gets paid every single month, but they get paid for every new tenant that goes into that property also. If you're keeping tenants for 15 years, I've got tenants that are 15, 17 years or more that have been in the same unit. You know, that is, that is worth it. That's phenomenal. When they call me and they say that they don't call me when they call the property manager and they say, my sink is leaking. The property manager knows to go in there and give them a better looking sink and a better looking faucet. And it costs them maybe $50. If that more than the cheap one that they would have bought at home Depot. It's absolutely. And you're going to have a service call anyway. Exactly. It costs the same amount of money to put in that cheap, cheap faucet as it does that new faucet and that cheap faucet will probably have to be replaced in three to five years. Anyway, that new faucet will probably last 10 years. 
So as we wind down today, here's uh, something I didn't want to forget. Um, a lot of times we forget some of the great benefits that being involved in real estate investing uh, provides for us. And one of those is just pure fun. So you like Hawaii? Guess who needs Section 8 housing? Honolulu. So you can have a Section 8 uh, property in Hawaii. So if you own a piece of property, doesn't matter that it's Section 8, if you own a piece of property in Hawaii or Maui or any of the other uh, islands there and you love Hawaii, guess what? Now you can go on a business trip and visit your property or inspect your property and be able to uh, write off your travel. Now you can't write off a week's vacation in Hawaii to be able to uh, inspect uh, one or two properties, but you can write off the travel back and forth and you can write off one to two days uh, easily. So if I'm gonna be there for five or six days, I get to write off the single business, uh, typically biggest expense I've got, which is gonna be my air going uh, back and forth, depending on uh, how many kids are going with me. Uh, but many times that is the, the big dollars. I get to write that off as a business expense because I am inspecting my property. Then I can also write off at least one, but most of the time two nights for inspection. And so a major, so if we're doing five days, trip back and forth and two of the five days get to be written off. And you can check with your CPA till the cows come home. That is a 100% totally legit uh, IRS deduction, business expense, and it's fun. So you can buy property wherever you want to buy. Um, wherever you want a vacation. Yeah, just, and think about that. Where is it that you like to go? Maybe you're a mountain person. I'm a beach person. Maybe you like to go to the mountains. Well, guess what? Denver needs Section 8 housing. Colorado Springs needs Section 8 housing. Uh, figure out, uh, I bet if you looked at some places like Jackson Hole and Tahoe, and I, there's a reason I'm gonna say this, they need Section 8 housing too. And here's the reason. For about 15 years, I was heavily involved in a program, still in real estate, but I was heavily involved in a program that was called the Affordable Housing Tax Credit Program. And at that time, the tax credit program, a little different today, but at that time, the tax credit program was an encouragement for investors like you and Kevin and I to go and build multifamily properties in high-end areas like Key West, like Jackson Hole, like Tahoe, where they did not have affordable housing so people that needed to be able to provide services, waiters, waitresses, yard people, uh, plumbers, carpenters, uh, people on the garbage trucks, all of that service industry stuff that is not real high paying, they need to be able to have people there to fill those jobs. They're not gonna go there if they don't have a place to live. And so the federal government put out a 10-year tax credit program that was phenomenal uh, and I guarantee you there's something akin to that right now going on. I just don't know what it is off the top of my head, but you there's can always go something going on. anywhere you want to go. There's always something going on. Yeah. And I'm a beach person too. And I think you know this, but for those of you who don't, here, this is normally sitting up on the mantle there behind me. 
Okay. <laughs> I, I like it. Which. It was actually the other way. So. Right. Okay. I'm not sure because it was sitting on the mantle, but when I look at it on the computer, it looks like it's reversed. That's why I pulled yeah. it down. So it's normally right up, right up here. Okay. Excellent. I have been quarantining in a vacation rental at the beach because Great. during the quarantine, I'm not going to have any, any vacationers. In fact, on Airbnb, they won't even let you rent anything in Florida until they were at phase two. Um, Just in so, the last few days, you and I talked about uh, some opportunities in Daytona Beach. Yeah. I mean, I've, I've been buying in Daytona Beach. I am in a beach house that is literally just north of Daytona Beach. I am two blocks from the beach, and I would have to show you all of my daughter's mess in order to show you the backyard. But if you caught any of these earlier shows, then I was sitting out on the screen porch, and you could see the backyard. Right behind me is the intercoastal, the Matanzas River. So I can get on a boat in the backyard or I can go out the front door and walk over two blocks and not only be at the beach, I can be at the pier. I'm in Flagler Beach right now. Uh, I can be on the pier and there's now that the restaurants are open, there's a ton of restaurants. I can walk two blocks and that's what we do. We went, yesterday we went for tacos, two blocks for tacos on the beach uh, for lunch. My wife is working from home, so we decided we were gonna work from the beach. This is a beach house that we normally use for a, a rental and rentals is a whole nother show. Okay. The amount of money that we make from this rental is, is huge and phenomenal, but only because it's on the beach. It wasn't going to be being used during this quarantine. So we quarantined here. We have a little bit of work being done on this property at the beginning of June. So we are actually buying another house uh, right around the corner because my wife is on a project in the Orlando area for another year. Uh, we went house hunting this weekend for a house for ourselves for here. Uh, normally we move to Florida. We move to the beach in Palm Beach. Um, cause I'm a beach person. So I get to live at the beach. You, you're in D Dallas. Dallas is awesome, but yeah. I, I, the beach I, is Hey, I, my boys are wrapped up in that. My middle son just graduated literally when, and filmed his graduation today. He's done, 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 done. I have a 14 year old who is starting high school, uh, in the, in the fall, uh, those two kids have never, have been to one school only. And I've, I've committed to them that they'll, that my 14 year old get to finish at that school. Um, but very likely you may have neighbors after, <laughs> after he graduates. You know what? It's, it's uh, beautiful out here. When we moved from California, California is a beautiful, beautiful place, but yeah. we could not take the politics. Um, so we had to have some place that was beautiful, that was warm, that was sunny, that had beautiful beaches. And I had been investing in Florida for over 30 years. So it was, it was a no brainer. We had to come to Florida. So. So it is, uh, we, we need to wrap this one up today. Uh, great talking with you. Great information. Thanks for uh, taking time out of your day to share. And, and uh, uh, thank you everybody for joining us. And yep, thanks, uh, Ash. We appreciate you being here. Bill and I had a conversation earlier about getting things up a little bit better. We've been kind of slipping and sliding on, on the quarantine thing. I will work on getting the website 100%. So if anybody's been to the website and had any issues, Bill said he checked it out and he was having some issues. If anybody's been there, uh, check it back later on this week or this weekend. Um, I'll have the bugs worked out. If you run into any bugs, do me a favor, please send us an email, contact at investorguys.com, theinvestorguys.com. Uh, let me know. Sorry, investorguyspodcast.com. Um, also, if there are any questions or anything you'd like to address with us on air let us know and we'll cover those as well same email we look forward to hearing from you 
Find Thanks, us Kevin. on Facebook. Follow us on Facebook, and we'll see you guys next time. Thanks. See you, everybody. Thanks, Kevin. Did you know that the Investor Guys podcast with Bill Barnett and Kevin Mills are not only available on your favorite audio podcast platform, they're also available in video form on Facebook, YouTube, and the Investor Guys podcast website at www.investorguyspodcast.com. Bill and Kevin show actual numbers, projects, and more, all things you'll miss if you don't check out the video. So after you listen to this podcast, visit us online and watch it again, www.investorguyspodcast.com or on your favorite social media. Are you ready for a new type of real estate club? A club for new and seasoned real estate investors, as well as real estate professionals of all types, a real estate club that you can participate in virtually or in person. A real estate club that offers in-person and virtual presentations, workshops, events, networking, resources, and more. Though this may sound like the real estate club of the future, it is not science fiction. It is reality. Directed Real Estate Professionals, also known as DREP, was started in the late 1990s in Southern California and is growing into cities across America. Whether you live in one of these cities or not, you can participate and take advantage of all DREP has to offer. If you live in a city that already has a DREP meeting, join them in person or online the first and third Tuesdays of every month. If you live in a city that doesn't have a DREP, consider hosting your local meeting. We'll show you how to set up your local club and walk you through getting started everything to get it rolling. You can also join any area meeting online from anywhere in the world. Getting started is easy. Just check us out online at www.drepclub.com. That's www.drepclub.com and we'll see you there.